life, whether we like it or not, happens to everyone. We don't get to choose our testimony, but we are called to share the journey. Hi, everybody. I'm BJ Foster, and this is Withholding Nothing, a podcast for the soul. Let's do this thing. Hey guys, thank you so much. I just wanted to jump right into today. You know, I have gotten a plethora (laughs) of feedback from last week's testimony. So first and foremost, as I always do, I just want to say thank you to Deneen for sharing her life story. And uh, what little she shared was so powerful that, like I said, the, the messages, the responses have been pouring in, which is quite amazing. And I say that on many levels. One, I want Deneen to hear it because I do believe it is so very important just to her own growth and recovery to hear that our life stories impact other people, no matter where we are in that story. And I know so often we, and I think I mentioned this, so often we want to be through it. We want to be clear. We want to be the hero of the story. And sometimes the hero of the story is the person that is struggling most. So I was just so encouraged that she was willing to share and push through things that I know is very, very difficult for her. So Deneen, thank you. Kudos to you, my friend. I appreciate so much your, your sitting down at the microphone with me. But I just wanted to jump in. I hope you guys are doing great. I hope your week has been a good one. Um, but whatever kind of week we've had, is a learning and a growing week. It's a week in which God, if we're still here, it's a week in which God intended for us to have. And uh, I pray that you can glean whatever you walked through this week and look back on it and go, I learned this from this week. Even if it's, I learned not to overdo or overtax or overstress myself. You know, there's, there's just a lesson. I've learned in my now 60 plus years, there's a lesson in everything. And so often I think we miss the lesson. But um, just to jump back onto what Deneen had really spoken about, you know, so many things resonated with people, much to my surprise, uh, but then not, not really, because her, her, her story is very much all of our stories, just in different You know, when she said, and and a lot of you commented on, you know, she said, I thought that when I said Jesus is Lord, when I gave my life over to God, that I would not have any more troubles. And that's, you know, that's, that's hard. I think you can listen to that. And on the one hand, you can go, why would you think that? (laughs) You know, I even asked the question, what do you think made you think that? Sometimes we can sit back in a judgment seat, or not even a judgment seat, but just the seat of, well, I don't understand. Why would you think that? I wouldn't think that. But as I was pointing out with Deneen last week, depending on what you've lived through and her life, as you can hear, just in what little she shared, has been so devastating, so hard so uh, in turmoil that honestly you're searching. You're searching for someone or something that's going to take that pain away. 
And I believe in studying the Bible and not just Deneen, but I think many of us, we see God, we view God in that light. And is he the savior? Absolutely. Is he the comforter? Absolutely. But does that mean he's going to take away all of our pain and hardship? Absolutely not. But yet, because of our faulted thinking, not God, but because of our faulted thinking, we're, we're, we're messed up in how we view it, then it alters how we view God. And as she said, you know, I, I, I just had a hard time grasping a loving God that would allow these things to happen to me. I thought when I said, here, God, take my life, then he was going to take it and clear out everything and nothing bad or hard or difficult would ever happen to me again. And oh, wouldn't we all like for that to be the case? But as we know, that is not the case. There's too many people in scripture that we can look at whose lives, even though they were walking with God, their lives were hard, their lives were painful. And it wasn't, God doesn't step in to erase our pain. God steps in to carry us through the pain. And I believe that was the missing piece at least that's what we're working on right now. The missing piece with Danita wasn't that God had deserted her or he had let her down. I love, she said, I, I believed at that point that God had failed me. I believe often we go through stuff and we think, God, you failed me. God, you didn't come through. God, why didn't you answer? or whatever the case may be. And I think it's a matter of us rewiring our thinking that is not right in this equation. Because I know that it isn't, you're not right in the equation. So there's something then in my thinking that is off. Something has short-circuited. So it left my friend feeling she had been failed by God. She came to him desperate for relief, and she didn't get the relief that she expected. Not she didn't get relief, she didn't get the relief that she expected. And I wonder how many of us, we struggle in our walk with God, not because of what, not because God isn't delivering, but because he's not delivering what we expect. And I have to look at that and go, is that really surrender? <laughs> is it really surrender? Or are we playing games with God? I know I've had this conversation before. I know BJ. I know that I have played games with God over the years. God, if I do this, then I want you to do that. And if he doesn't do that, then I cop an attitude. <laughs> I'm mad, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, I'm disappointed, I'm all of these things. But again, not because he didn't do what he was going to do all along, but that he didn't do what I wanted him to do. Whoa, that's devastating. That's a big thing. I mean, as I'm saying that, it really made me think about how often I play God in my own life. 
I don't know about you. I could only speak on behalf of BJ, right? I play God in my own life. And then I serve up my God, my BJ God, to the Heavenly Father. And I'm holding him accountable to me instead of me accountable to him. <laughs> that, that, that pains me to say it, but I need to say it because I know that is truth. I know that there have been so many times when BJ has decided the beginning, the middle, and the end of her story or her situation. She's mapped it out. She's built towards it. She's printed it and handed it out to people. This is going to be my, my journey. And God did not take me in that direction. And I was angry. And I have to stop and look at that and go, BJ, who is God? You're in a battle, sweetheart, up against someone in which you know, if you really stop and look at it, you are not going to defeat. <laughs> I'm telling you guys, I am convicting myself as we speak. I know that I'm probably not the only person that play God and I put my God up against the God. I call it God with a little G. <laughs> it's BJ, God with a little G. I have no control over anything. I don't know the beginning, the middle, and end. I'm not as wise as I like to give myself credit for being. <laughs> but yet I think in some way I can deliver up to God that sits in heaven what needs to happen in my life. I, ugh, I, I, I really, as we're talking, I really feel like I just need to sit down and just be quiet for a while. <laughs> that is how convicted I am in this moment. But I believe that is the confusion that Satan delivers up to all of us. I know we mentioned before he is the great deceiver. He deceives us. He makes us think that we're capable of what we're not capable of, that we deserve what we don't deserve, all these things. And just like with Lucifer, we start wanting to be greater than we are, or I start wanting to be greater than I am. And that's what I find myself in when I sit in disappointment, anger, and frustration with God. I now have learned the hard way, of course, <laughs> That when BJ is stuck in those feelings, those emotions, again, something's wrong, not with my God, because he doesn't change, but with me. So I have learned in those moments to stop and go, BJ, who is Lord? You or Christ? You look at it clearly. You answer that question, and it helps you to reset your heart. I know that when I start thinking that I'm greater than, I'm in danger. But anyway, that's a BJ aside. But that was the stuff, guys, that came out of um, what Janine and I were talking about when she mentioned, you know, I just felt like God had failed me because I expected this but I got that. And because of that, you know, she, she, she talked about, or we talked about feeling isolated, 
ostracized, outcast. When we try to be, we try to carry carry a, a load that was never ever intended for us to carry. We try to be who we are not. It puts us in a position which no one can come in and we can't get out. And you feel this weight, the weight of the world on your shoulders and you don't know how to get it off. I think she said it was just, this was a moment she got emotional. She said it was, it's very taxing. And it is, it's very taxing. You feel it, you want it off, but you don't know what to do to get it off. So you just continue in it. And I look at, I think about, oh my goodness. Ah, this is gonna probably be a horrible example. I just saw Emancipation, the movie, the other day, and it was just so hard to watch. But I look at, I, I look at people enslaved and, and the, 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 you just look at the weight that they're carrying around on their shoulders until literally they pass out and they die because they cannot carry the load that the master has placed upon them as slave, slaves expecting them to carry on. Guys, I feel like many of us, we're walking around with that same weight upon our shoulders, on our necks, not because God has put it there, but because we've put it there. And we continue to walk around in it, but we are standing alone. We are outcast. We are ostracized. We are isolated to a point where we will simply pass out because we were not designed to carry weight of that nature. And some of that weight, as Denise was talking about, it comes at the hands of other people, you know, and that's hard. She's gone through so much church hurt, as she calls it, <laughs> you know. It, it's amazing what we do to one another all in the name of God. It really is. So we have so many people walking around in church hurts, devastated. She, when I asked her, you know, what, what does the church look like to you? She said, it's of the devil. That's, it, it, it saddens me, but I had to leave it in there. Somebody had asked me in the responses, why did you leave that? Why didn't you edit that out? So because it's true. It's her reality. Doesn't mean it's reality for everyone, but there's definitely truth in it. But, you know, in that, however, she was saying she had to find forgiveness. But forgiveness is for her. She said to forgive was for me to live. She found her way of staying alive. I can either be bitter and angry and unforgiving and die in this, or I can let it go and choose to live, ostracized. A lot of it by her own doing. But we want to break free of that. And that's why I asked the question, what does freedom look like to you? It's a breaking old patterns. It's joy without work. And I do, India. I love that. Joy without work. Now, anytime striving to get close to the Father, there's work involved. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. But the joy of it is to be able to breathe and do it and feel energized by it not 
pressured by it. To be able to get up in the morning and do a quiet time and be energized by it and not pressured by it because someone said so. And that's what it is when she talked about, I think we got to quiet the chatter. <laughs> There's so much chatter, so much talk going on around us. Sometimes I think we just love to hear ourselves talk. And to just sometimes sit still and do nothing is all we need to start again. We're always in motion. There's always something going on around us. And for us to be able to stop and do nothing is amazing. We're getting ready to go on to the holiday break right now at school. There's a lot going on right now. You know, we work uh, like crazy, like little elves, feverishly trying to make sure our families are cared for as much as possible. Make sure that everybody has food to eat. Make sure that they have food that they can actually prepare. You know, some of my kids, they live in the Motel 6s and they're gonna be kicked out, we know, on the weekends. And therefore, whatever they have, they have to be able to carry it with them or they have to be able to put it in the microwave because that's all they have access to. Um, there's just all these little details but then I look at it and go, okay, but how many of us, once we hit that little break point, school's out, we no longer have access to our families. We've done the best that we can possibly do for them during this time. Now what do we do? Do we take the time to quiet ourselves, rest? Or do we simply kick back into gear and begin the chatter all over again? And I know, I mean, that's that's my work, my line of work. I don't know what you do, but I know with my line of work, that is what the story looks like. We go, 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 go for everybody else. And then finally, come December 22nd, we get a break. But I know because I have, you know, 15 coordinators working underneath me, they're also feverishly running around and working for their own families. They're also trying to buy presents for everybody else. They're also trying to do Christmas. And I look at how we work. We as people, we are running ourselves ragged. We finally drop. And when I say drop, it doesn't mean we're dead or anything of that nature. But I loved it when she said, you know what? When I get overwhelmed, I do nothing. <laughs> When she said, when I get overwhelmed, I do nothing and do nothing. That's when we stop. It's not that we're stopping and listening to God. We just stop listening, period. And that was the reference. And I'm so sorry I could not pull up Ezekiel's name. <laughs> it was driving me crazy. But it that was when, that was that reference which we reach a point in which we just, I'm so overwhelmed, I can't. Think, I can't feel, I can't speak, I just can't do anything. And even that hurts us because we go, 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 trying to please, trying to help, trying to, and you fill in the blank for you. But then when we finally stop, it's not because we are saying, Father, it is finished, it is done. I'm done. And that's a whole different ballgame. It's going from, Father, I surrender to you what is yours. I've done what you've asked of me, and I'm handing the rest over, back over to you. Thank you for choosing me. Thank you for working with me. 
and I hand this over to you, having done the best that I can with what you've given me. That's a whole different thing. And Father, I've worked myself into a lump of coal. (laughs) I've worked myself into a dither, and now I'm just gonna collapse. And inside that collapsing, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, I'm mad, I'm all of these things. And I go to, as Deneen pointed out so beautifully, autopilot. I click over into survival mode. But once you go into survival mode, you're no longer growing. When we're surviving, we're simply trying to hold on. I'm just holding my breath, trying to hold on. God never said, I want to push you to a point in which you just survive. I don't know about you. It's not in my Bible. If it is, I've missed it. Somebody needs to point that out to me. He's never called us to push ourselves to a point of just surviving. It is always about growing. Every person that I've seen, I've encountered in Scripture, no matter what God put them through, allowed them to go through, it was for the sake of them growing to the next level. Whatever it is you're going through, guys, you're going through it for a reason. We cannot stop our ability or God's call for us to go through it. But we do get to decide how we go through it. We will go through trouble, storms, difficult times. How we go through it, however, determines how we view it when we come out on the other end. Every one of us has a story to tell. When you sit down and you tell your story to your kids, to your grandkids, to your friends, to your relatives, the lens in which you view that story will determine how they see God. What story are you sharing? What's your view? What's your vantage point? You have the ability to show people the hand of God. Or you have the opportunity to show people the fist of God. Which one are you showing? I am grateful, so very grateful, that Deneen has opened her arms and allowed me to step into her circle, as I mentioned last week, because I believe God will use it to change her lens through which she sees him by changing the view, by changing her vantage point so that she can see more clearly who he really is not based on what she desires from him, but what he desires from her. Anyway, guys, I thank you always for joining me. I so love these times. So funny. Again, this week I thought about, okay, I think I might be done soon. And then I get text messages out of nowhere saying how much listening to this podcast helps them during the course of their week. As always, God said, BJ, shut up. I'm not done with you yet. (laughs) You say enough is enough when I say enough is enough. So guys, I thank you for listening. I pray that you are moved. I pray that every week you grow, you learn, you draw closer to your God. I love you. appreciate you. And until next week.
Well, that's going to wrap it up for this week, everybody. Thank you so much for your time. Always, I say thank you for joining me. It has been a pleasure to hear testimony shared this week, and we will be back next week for another incredible life story. Please check out my website, enoughasyouare.com. You can find all my books and all of my writings there. I appreciate again your time. I pray that God will be with you. And until next week, be on the lookout for the hand of God. Go ahead, Dave. Play us out.